I listen to all of my participants' profile answers. If I had a choice to have dinner with anyone in the world, it would be my grandmother. My those 36 personally revealing questions. I listened hard to find good matches for everyone. Miley Cyrus. Celine Dion. Anthony Bourdain. Richard Feynman. Neil deGrasse Tyson. Head of education in Finland. Michael Jordan. I mean, obviously Jesus. Like, who could compare to that? Okay. Given anyone in the world... Sometimes they just pair themselves. This question is always hard for me to answer. I'm kind of wanting to say Barack, Barack Obama. Obama. Close second to Michelle, though, for sure. He's the most beautiful family in the world. So if Sasha, Malia, and Michelle also show up, that would be super dope. He's just a conjunction of interesting guy. This perfect mix of a dad and a friend. He was just such a beautifully human president. And someone who I feel like I'd have an actual conversation with. They both happen to be the same age and live in the same city. They're 27 and live in San Francisco. So naturally, I pair them together. Hi, Kay. <laughs> Hi, Art. <laughs> I will call them Robert and Katie. This story in its entirety is 22 hours and 34 minutes, the total recording time of voice memos between them over the 30 days of the experiment. Hey. Hi. Hi. I will tell you a version of their story, a condensed one, from my point of view. I really enjoyed hearing that you are I, sold on this. Super, super Hi, I'm Eves, the creator of this experiment. I'm also Heather, the listener behind the scenes. You are listening to It's Nice to Hear You, stories about human connection told through an anonymous matchmaking experiment. This is episode three, until one day I understand. Let's meet R, whom I will call Robert. I was definitely a nerd for sure. No question about that. Um, I kind of imagined being an inventor or something growing up and ended up doing engineering undergrad. That's from Robert's profile, part of those 36 questions that he answers at the beginning to participate in the experiment. I'm feeling nervous, for sure. Apparently it's going to be made into a podcast. So I'm, I'm imagining all these <laughs> people just listening to what I'm saying right now. Uh, that's a little bit uncomfortable. Robert is from Canada, has a PhD in computer science, and currently works in tech. He seems introspective and open-minded. And one more thing. I recently got out of a long-term relationship, two and a half years, a couple months ago months ago a couple months they lived together after the breakup robert moved out of his home into a one-bedroom apartment this was the first person i loved ever that was pretty crazy still a person i care about a lot we're taking some space right now we mutually agreed that i was not working so definitely want to be upfront about that i'm kind of just winging it <laughs> i don't i don't really know what i want right now a partner or a friend. 
someone to connect with. Also, I, I make great fried rice. So that's another thing that's important to know. This is the first time in a long time that he's living alone. Quarantine started soon after. He must have felt pretty lonely. And I can totally empathize. I hope he will like his match. I wish I had someone with whom I could share what it's like to live inside my own mind. That is Kay. I will call her Katie. On one hand, it's so sacred to me. This is something that belongs to only me. And it's also this like, oh, tragic thing. No one will understand it fully. But I would love to attempt to share with someone the beauty that is my own mind. She sounds like someone who has profound confidence, not in an arrogant way, but in a wise, self-loving way. My siblings are my best friends. I am the middle of five. Grew up being kind of classic middle child. I was like chronically misunderstood, always throwing tantrums, always needing more attention, highly emotional. It's May 3rd, 2020. Robert receives an email from me, letting him know that he's been matched. The email includes a link to Katie's profile, where he can listen to all of her answers to the 36 questions. The next day, Robert sends Katie his first voice memo. Hi, Kay. <laughs> um, it's nice to, nice to meet you. I just got back from a house viewing and have a video chat thing starting in a couple minutes, so I wanted to send off something real quick. Anyway... Um, hi. I was really not n- not sure what to expect, like, going to this thing. It seemed kind of weird, but interesting and kind of exciting. There's, there's a bunch of stuff. There's so many threads that I <laughs> wanted to talk about. His message is six minutes long. I feel a little bit nervous now because <laughs> um, a lot of the stuff you talked about in your profile resonates with me along several different axes. Katie responds the next day. Hi, R. <clears throat> it's really weird to call someone by uh, a letter. I keep trying to like pin your voice to a person that I already know. I'm like, do I know this guy already? Anyhow, thanks for your thoughtful message. Enjoyed listening to your responses. This is such a weird medium. Oh my God. I love it for that exact reason, but it's so fucking weird. Then Robert responds. I don't think I know you. I'm pretty sure I don't know you. (laughs) I found myself thinking the same thing, like, who do I know? Sounds kind of like this person. I think we're safe on that front. I really liked the way you said, I happen to be a big fan of what goes on in my own mind or something. Something about your tone of voice when you said that was like, fuck yeah. (laughs) Yeah, own that shit. You got it. And they continued in this way. Every day. Um, <laughs> I want to reveal that I literally took notes on what you said because there was a lot of content and I <laughs> didn't want to miss any part of it, <laughs> of things I wanted to respond to. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm appreciating a lot of what you shared, like not being okay with certain things in a relationship, uh, but not always really knowing that you're not okay with it and, and therefore not being able to communicate it. I get so blinded by like my love for that person or just my desire to make it work and to like not be difficult. 
you said something about wanting each person in the relationship to be in awe of each other. That's very deeply something I want in my relationship. There's like a part of me I'm uncomfortable with that wants approval and wants others to be in awe of me. Like wanting to be looked up to. I just heard this really great question and it was, in what ways are you particularly difficult to be with, to live with? In complete honesty and humility, I'm a very easy person to, (laughs) in my completely unbiased opinion. It's hard because a lot of the data I have comes from my most recent relationship. And like each relationship, you realize, oh, wow, that thing, I'm not going to do again. And it's not clear how much of those are intrinsic to me versus our dynamic. One of the things I struggle with a lot was completely owning my wants. And that's always tough because if you don't know what you want, then you can't communicate what you want. So it's something that I try to get better at, but it does feel like a struggle sometimes. I laughed so hard when you said you are a really easy person, partly because it was funny and also because I just don't believe you. (laughs) Like, I think he just doesn't know yet how he's difficult, but I could be wrong. Maybe you're just a really easy person and that's it. Um, How am I difficult? Hmm. Emotionality is the first one that comes to mind. Six months ago, I was in a relationship and the ways I saw myself as difficult came out really clearly. Now I'm actually learning to see those things as not difficult anymore. I sometimes think I'm more difficult than I actually am. Maybe they got expressed in an unhealthy way or they were received in an unhealthy way, but they're not actual difficulties. I absolutely loved that you called me out on (laughs) being an easy person. I mean, there is definitely a part of me that's just, I'm just great. I'm just an easy (laughs) person to get along with. I do want to point out though, I answered the question and you go ahead and give me a superpower you're difficult because you feel like you are more difficult than you actually are. Not that those aren't answers to the question, but just saying. I guess this is what flirting sounds like. For some reason, I find when you say rad or dope, specifically dope, I find it really cute. Yeah, it's kind of adorable. As much as one could flirt, in this medium, anonymous, asynchronous, voice only, in quarantine, during a pandemic. Oh, and there's also that stranger eavesdropping into everything. Hi. All right, I have lengthy notes on this one. Hi, Kay. Hi. I also really, really enjoyed hearing that you are sold on me and you want to meet me now. I am also sold on me. (laughs) And meet you in person one day. It feels great to be a matchmaker. One of the things I want to surface in this podcast are different dimensions around the power of voice. There's so many clues in a human voice. The data, I mean, like, it definitely shows Kay is a very emotional person. 
significantly more emotional than the rest. Basically more negative and more positive than everybody else. That's Alex, the CTO of emotion recognition company Behavioral Signals. He helped me run speech analytics on all the audio in this experiment. And his machine confirms what Katie says about herself. Her range and variability of emotion is much higher than other people in the experiment. Sometimes in the magnitude of seven to eight times higher. Alex also noticed some interesting things about Robert. Let's go back to the hesitation data. So R seems to be definitely very uncomfortable at the beginning. Alex analyzed the pauses in everyone's voice memos. When we speak, we all have pauses like this. Exploring different parts of yourself and, um, yeah. Uh, uh, although I, I, I wouldn't say I'm religious. Um, but. Robert's recordings have a lot of pauses. So much that sometimes I have to even cut them out to make it easier to listen to. He definitely has the highest poses from all of them. So in the beginning, definitely he's super uncomfortable. And then he drops to a regular level. These days, with the advancement in machine learning, machines are getting better at reading our emotions through voice. It can tell us that... Robert is nervous in week one. By week two, he is feeling a lot more comfortable. Siri... How do you feel about Robert's laugh? <laughs> I'm not falling for it. So by week two, maybe they do sound more relaxed. I just want to say that I've really enjoyed listening to your messages. They've been great. There's anticipation, and it's definitely a bright spot in my day. Thanks for saying you're enjoying this. Feels like a vulnerable share to me, so I appreciate you saying that. They send increasingly longer messages. Every time you send me a message, I sort of use however long you took as my guideline of, okay, needs to do that or less. <laughs> That's like my comfort threshold. It's getting longer every time. Sent me a 23-minute message yesterday, which is great. I know I really enjoyed it. I'm going to go soon because I want it to be less than 40 minutes. Bye. I think this is the end of my message now. 19 minutes. Pretty good. I've been like slightly self-conscious that I send much longer messages than you. And I noticed today when I went to open your message and it was 19 minutes, there was like initial like, oh, wait, it's even shorter. Like, what does that mean? I created this container and put them in it. They made it their own space. The most important thing in my room is my space heater because I am the coldest person on the entire earth. Freezing cold all the time, no exceptions. That's my favorite thing I own. I hope that wasn't boring. It felt boring for me to share. They spoke a lot about their fears around being boring. I super, super appreciate you sharing that you're afraid I'll get bored of you. Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah, I'm afraid I'll get bored of you too. When I'm looking over, like, okay, here are all the notes of the things I took. Um, and then it feels like a little bit of pressure. It feels just like a little bit of pressure to be interesting. It made me think about my own life and how I approach dating. Like this game. I equated winning to earning another date. 
my default behavior was to put forward the most interesting version of myself or the version that I think the other person will find the most interesting. I'm realizing that um, this is four weeks total. So we're not even halfway. We've covered a lot of ground. And I want to fully embrace the possibility of being really boring. And also the possibility of just completely not responding to all the things in the last person's message. That feels like a more sustainable model, just like doing whatever the fuck you want and trusting that that's going to be exactly perfect in that moment. After hearing this, I realized that dating shouldn't be about aspiring to win or to impress. Instead, the pinnacle is achieving trust and comfort and even boredom. Comfortable enough to be boring. We're not going to be not boring. We're going to definitely be boring. <laughs> it's like guaranteed. Yeah, that's going to happen. It's happening right now as I speak. There's something so beautiful about just having that day-to-day, like the ins and outs, the ups and downs, just being able to like be boring and do nothing with someone. Um, anyways, I appreciate you permissioning some of the boringness. In dating, it's a privilege to be boring and overrated to be winning. It takes time to earn that privilege. What's a thing that you want to tell me, but you're holding back? There's just not something coming to me that I'm like burning to tell you. I enjoy getting found out. It's like, no, I want you to find out. I don't want to tell you. <laughs> that's, that's the awe for me. That's awe. Constant unfolding and discovery and learning about the magic and beauty of other beings. I just find myself smiling a lot as I listen to your messages. There is a part of me that feels a slight tinge of guilt. Um, like, I am starting to, like, explore dating, and so there's a little bit of guilt there. In this generation, it's easy for our attention to be divided. I talk on the phone while scrolling through Instagram. I'm constantly catching up because everything is due yesterday. I've filed an extension on my tax returns every single year for the past three years. I'm relieved if I show up to dinner reservations only five minutes late. I never have enough time. And I'm always chasing. So in my experiment, I force my participants to take time. Only one message a day, no more. In the process of creating this podcast, someone told me that we have to give information at the speed in which people can receive it. Only then could the listener understand and connect with it. I guess with getting to know someone, it's the same thing. What is one thing you think you're getting about me so far? I'm going to call out, this feels like a test. <laughs> I feel like I haven't studied for the test. Oh, no. Ah, uh, okay. 
what have I gotten about you so far? Generally, the fact that you're very in touch with a part of yourself that's very spiritual and grounded, like a centeredness, just like a deep compassion and love for your people. Wanting in a partner stability, definitely the longing to really be understood. And when they look at you, it feels like they get you. Oh yeah, a self-confidence. Also like a tinge of the shyness too. I'm so sorry that came off as a test. That was so not my intention. More just a curiosity on my end about how other people receive me and and what people understand about me, what people miss about me. Um, for someone who thought this was a test they didn't study for, you did quite well, sir. Bravo. That was really good. <laughs> it's now halfway through the experiment. Like Brian and Isabel from our last episode, at this point, I arranged for Robert and Katie to check in with relationship coaches. This is how Robert and Katie separately rank their levels of intimacy with each other on a scale of 1 to 10. Um, if 1 is not, not knowing a person at all, and then 5 is a normal conversation with a person that you're meeting, so definitely a couple levels above that, so maybe a 7.5 or like 8, somewhere in that range. I would say... When it comes to like mental and emotional intimacy, I would give it like a seven or eight, an eight. They're so in sync, even independently answering the same number. But I guess that didn't really surprise me. This other thing, though, Katie said intrigued me. Um, I have anxious attachment patterns. I have concern about like enveloping myself too much in one person. I had to actually read up on what this attachment thing is all about. So I'm about to way oversimplify things. But basically, our attachment styles are developed in childhood. The anxious pattern is one of the four attachment styles. This style generally manifests in a few ways. For example, constant desire for approval and responsiveness from a partner. A nagging worry that one partner is not as invested in the relationship. A strong fear of abandonment. At this point in my research, I realize that this is basically me. I'm anxious when I don't receive text back within an hour. Similar to Katie, I can easily envelop myself in someone. Like Chester, who's undefined. He didn't have a label, but I already imagined the potential. Of course we would get along while traveling to obscure German towns. He'd obviously order the food that I would want to try as well. I get preoccupied and obsessive quite easily. To emotionally regulate, I repress and dismiss intense feelings. To not feel sad about Chester, I deleted him and distracted myself with another project. I enveloped myself in my participants. Discovering the words to diagnose my behavior and personality is kind of exciting. I can now fully describe my personal style. Colorful, easily misunderstood, direct to the point of being mean, 
a people pleaser, but highly judgmental. Now, I have one more thing to add. Anxious. But some things will never change. Always curious, sometimes funny. Never florals or paisley patterns. Gross. Just like me, Katie also has an anxious attachment style. But in almost every other way, she is not like me. She's a super adept communicator, welcomes intimacy, is unafraid of vulnerability. I bet she probably never used my favorite emoji, that expressionless face. Katie doesn't deflect. She names them and processes them. He recently got out of a relationship and was like a very long relationship. And I have concerns just, is he really ready for something else? Healing from breakups is nonlinear and strange and takes a long time. So I worry about, is he really ready for that? Is he going to feel like guilt being with someone new so soon? That's what Katie shared with a relationship coach during her midpoint check-in. She is totally aware of what she's getting into. This thing with Robert may go nowhere. He might realize later that he's not ready. But Katie is brave and open to getting messy for a special human connection. Open to the whole range of emotional possibilities. Not just the good and not only a happily ever after. But every delicate, anxious, ridiculous, and intense ever after. I want to get messy too. I'd rather be overwhelmed with anxiety than be dulled by mediocrity. Robert and Katie continue to unfold to each other. In the third week, Robert receives an unexpected prompt from me. Oh my goodness. I just read the email prompt I got. I'm not going to start off with that. Leading them to reveal a sillier side. Oh, now it is time. It is time for me to do this thing. Oh, no. Supposed to sing a little tune. Uh, It's uncomfortable. I'm not a good singer. Probably, like, slightly worse than average, if I had to guess. Okay. Okay. (laughs) This is uncomfortable. Uh, Okay. When the moon hits your eye like a big pizza pie, that's amore. That's amore. When the world seems to shine like you've had too much wine, that's amore. Bells will ring, ting-a-ling-a-ling. Bells will ring, ting-a-ling-a-ling, ting-a-ling-a-ling, and you'll sing Vita Bella. (laughs) I really hope you enjoyed that. They didn't check off all of each other's boxes. When you said, like, oh, actually, I'm not playful. My first reaction was, shit. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it was, oh no, wait, are we really compatible? 
there's definitely a little bit of wanting to change you there. Hmm. There is a part of me that wants to change that part of you. Yep. I'm sorry about that. I'm definitely super interested in exploring that with you. They listen to each other in service of knowing and in search of understanding. I want your permission, complete silliness. I fully trust whatever process unfolds for you there will be the right one. You know, in the future, I'd like to uh, like not be alone in my relationship. That's often a feeling that I've had. Yeah, the, the stress response that I go into is freeze. Part of it is thinking that I have to deal with it on my own, that it's like I'm too much if I ask for help. So I'd like to enroll my partner more in helping me to, um, to unfreeze. They shared all the complex flavors and layers of their personality, encouraged each other to also share what's boring and what's flawed. I just wanted to take a second to really, really share my appreciation for you sharing that part of yourself because it's not an easy thing to do. It feels, um, feels special. There's a desire for me to take it a bit slow. That comes from having come out of a relationship and this is not something that you need to worry about or manage in any way. They're willing to challenge each other. I just want to make sure what I'm about to say is in service of connection and not just being honest for the sake of being honest because that doesn't always work. Yeah, when you shared, oh, this isn't something I need to be concerned about, I had like a really yucky feeling arise in me, like really yucky. Okay, but the thing that you're talking about directly concerns me. I'm like, no, I, I might really need to worry about that. Yeah, I'm feeling like kind of activated by this right now because I think I've spent most of my time in relationships just like trying to be calm and not be uptight, not be emotional and problematic and all these things around things that like are actually really legitimate concerns. Fuck all that, I'm not gonna do that anymore. That makes a lot of sense. And um, it's actually a pattern I picked up with my ex. Um, I'd be just like speaking off the top of my head, like random thoughts, feelings, and just kind of brain dumping. There's a part of her that was like, is this a thing I'm going to have to manage? Am I going to have to like now keep track of this thing he's saying? And like, so then me saying like, hey, this is not a thing you have to manage. This is just me brain dumping. Um, For her, that communication was like a relief. Um, I can totally see that's not useful in this context. Um, If you had any specific concerns, I do want to answer that as vulnerably and non-defensively as I can. I realize there are two sides of every flaw. What I think is a flaw may not be to someone else. It's liberating to reveal all of our anxieties emotionality, this full range of our humanity to someone else who accepts them. 
I'm appreciating the part of you that enjoys people who are like slightly a little bit vain. Um, that's a part of myself that I don't let out that much. Um, and now it feels me letting that out is, if anything, an attractor. It feels very permission, which is nice. So thank you for that. Only the people that we love the most, the most, really get to see our shitty sides. Like we have to feel a deep amount of trust and love for someone to show off those negative things. It takes time to know someone. Knowing is an active verb. In partnership, it takes practice to continue to know. Someone told me once, some marriages succeed because those two people manage to tolerate each other better than others. I guess that is one way to look at it. But I want more. I want acceptance. Acceptance of not just the quirks like the way someone laughs or sings, but also acceptance of the anxieties that make someone obsessive and needy. Acceptance of the shadows that can make someone angry or mean. Acceptance by a partner that wouldn't want to change the worst parts of you if it required sacrificing the best parts of you. In the last week of the experiment, I asked Katie to share with me a word she would use to describe Robert. Once Katie sent me her word, I used it to create a prompt for Robert. I got a link to a website today, and there's a password. The password I was told would be one word you would use to describe me. If he guessed the password, he should certainly deserve a reward. The reward I decided is that he would get to see a picture of Katie. I was like, that's a crazy fucking prompt. How is he going to guess it? That's insane. There's so many words to describe a person. What Robert decided to do totally surprised me. I didn't want to actually see the unblurred picture, but I did want to guess what word you would use to describe me. I guess it on the second try. I guess it on the second try. I knew they had a deep connection, but the second try? In setting up this prompt, my biggest concern was that he might hack into my Squarespace site without guessing the password. He does have a PhD in computer science after all. But I figured, one, he probably wouldn't do that. And two, even if he did, that is deserving of a reward. And then I closed it, and I did not see your picture. Like, what the fuck? That's crazy that you got that. I mean, there are just so many possible words. I will confess that I did share your picture with some friends. I, like, showed them the website and the link. Oh, you do want to know, like, what this person looks like that I've been talking about? They gave me the thumbs up. Um, yeah, so still don't know what you look like. You see me as receptive, which is a lovely word. As it turns out, this mutual understanding is measurable. Alex reviewed a transcript of everything Katie and Robert said to each other. And then he checked it against a list of 1,000 most common words in English. Out of this list of 1,000 words, 
It turns out that they used 700 of the same words in their recordings. This amount of overlapping words is more than 20% higher than any random two people paired together. Our language and communication styles evolve towards each other as we grow closer to someone. Even though the machine doesn't have feelings, it knows a lot about how we feel and can help us quantify this amorphous thing called connection. Now, we are approaching the end of the experiment. I'm nervous, excited. This has felt so long that you kind of just feel like a figment of my imagination at this point. It's time to get to know each other all over again. I'm just really excited to meet you. Honestly, really, really excited. I have a good feeling about it. I'm so excited to meet you, R. Oh my goodness. I definitely agree. A hug sounds entirely appropriate. I'm imagining, um, do I want to share this? Something is satisfying about when you hug a person and then you pick them up and spin them around. I'm kind of imagining that happening. One final message. It's been 30 days. And this is my last message. (laughs) This is a really cool fucking thing that we've done. Of course, there is the surprise on the last day waiting for them. Hello? Hello? Hi! (laughs) Um, (laughs) Is this okay? It is! Oh my goodness, hi. Hi! I didn't expect you here. I also did not. Oh my god, wait, I'm so excited! (laughs) Hi! (laughs) They reflected. I'm just feeling so excited and grateful. I'm really lucky that I got to spend a month of this chaotic, weird time doing something equally as weird, but in a better way. (laughs) I I am craving cuddles quite a lot, yeah. like quite significantly. <laughs> <laughs> that's honestly, that's been a prayer. And they agreed on something before meeting. No one is looking up anyone before tomorrow or whenever we're meeting. No Facebook stalking. Yes, sold. I'm sold. You now know the story of how Katie met Robert in an anonymous matchmaking experiment. Shortly thereafter, they did actually meet in person, in San Francisco, in a park, on a windy afternoon in June. That's another story. You'll hear more about that in the last episode, episode six. Next time on It's Nice to Hear You, another story of another pair. Heather learns a lesson about vulnerability. That was so nice. I honestly received it and was like, holy shit, that's so thoughtful and so lovely. What's wrong with him? (laughs) You're like an encyclopedia. (laughs) I want to read what's on page 232. I have attempted to Google you tonight. Very bad.
Behavioral Signals is the sponsor for this podcast. A huge thank you to Alex and Rana for making this partnership possible. They have created the fastest evolving and most robust emotional AI technology, enabling businesses to add emotion and behavioral recognition to their own software solutions. For more information, check out behavioralsignals.com. It's Nice to Hear You is written and produced by me, Heather Lee. If you like what you hear, please rate the show and share with a friend. This is how independent shows get discovered. Check out it's nice to hear you.com. There's additional content and cool product for purchase there. This story would not be possible without all of my wonderful editors. Story consulting and editing by Katya Stepanov and Jesse Carey, co-founders of Rebus Experiences. Editing by me, Camila Kerwin, with the Rough Cut Collective. Story editing by Max Miller. Sound design by myself and Morgan Foos, who also mixed and mastered this entire series. Brand identity by Jen Ang. Website design by Lizzie Jolson. Special thanks to relationship coaches Molly Godfrey and Nick Sparks for conducting all the midpoint check-ins. Lastly, thank you to all of my participants. In particular, Robert and Katie. We forget the profound impact that our actions can have on strangers. People that we've never met can change the course of our lives. Thank you for letting me listen and learn from you. And changing my life through this experience. Oh, okay. This is embarrassing. Uh, do I want to say this? Okay. I'll, I'll go for it. Um, I, I totally check myself out in the mirror. Um, yeah, I do that sometimes. I haven't really talked about this. I, I was like made fun of it a bit in my last relationship. And that's like why I know I do it. Otherwise, it doesn't even rise to the level of awareness. I actually think some vanity is really good. Yeah, I enjoy when people are a little bit vain. If that means preening yourself in the mirror, <laughs> then yeah, I'm super down for that, especially because I do that too a lot, a lot. That's all for now.